some traveling back, uh, but glad you're with us this morning. We're going to continue. It kind of feels good to get back to a normal rhythm of things around here. Uh, and they're going to be get going back to uh, the Gospel of John, John chapter 5 this morning. And it has been a great uh, last few weeks. Uh, we've, uh, we've enjoyed, uh, uh, obviously, all the great singing and uh, the candlelight service and uh, someone making a, a decision to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior during candlelight service, which is a real blessing. And uh, Javen, I thought you were already gone. You're not gone yet. It's so good to see you. You're not. You're really here. It's not illusion, right? Okay. All right. Uh, but you're taking off. Is it tomorrow? Is it this week? Friday. Okay. All right. So you guys pray for Javen. I know a lot of the other young guys are already gone, uh, and uh, my my girls are gone as well. Back to Bible school for them, and uh, I can tell you this right now: our grocery bill is going to be severely lower this next week. Uh, yeah, man. College kids—they come in like grasshoppers, and they just consume everything. My wife can't find her makeup and all the food's gone. So, uh, and the whole time we did like 20 loads of laundry a day. So it's, uh, uh, it's the price you pay when they come back. But it was good having them. It's just been a good couple weeks. Uh, uh, thankful for someone receiving Jesus Christ as their Savior Wednesday night. That's a blessing as well. Uh, it's good to be in a church where people are getting saved and discipled and people are, are joining and, and taking next steps. And I'm just thankful to be a part of it. Uh, as we uh, kick off this last Sunday... Uh, of 2023. Let's go to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Now, just if you don't remember, just glance uh, starting around verse 10 and skip skimmed us uh, through there, and you'll remember what this is about. This is about uh, a man that uh, is uh, healed on the Sabbath day, and uh, the Jewish leadership, the Pharisees, uh, take exception to that, and they say that Jesus Christ is breaking the Sabbath. Look down, if you would, at verse Uh, Number 16, and therefore did the Jews uh, persecute Jesus uh, and sought to slay him. Now, let me just say this. You're going to find the term uh, the Jews a lot in the Gospels, uh, especially in the Gospel of John. You need to understand all the disciples are Jewish, okay? So it doesn't mean every single Jew without exception. It just means generally speaking as it relates to those that were not uh, 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 with Jesus Christ and his disciples, the Jews that were there, here's how they responded. Uh, look again in verse 16. They, they, they persecuted Jesus and sought to what? Because he had done these things on the Sabbath day. So because they sought to slay him and he knew it, uh, the Lord responds and gives them truth and explains some things about himself and about the relationship he has to God the Father. And, and for lack of a better term, the, the, the fact that Jesus Christ is in perfect unity and harmony with the Father. You need to understand this. Um, anytime someone has authority given to them, it is delegated by God. And, and the, the argument, if, you, if I can use that term, that Jesus Christ is making when he presents his truth is that he didn't just show up by himself on his own and decide to play the part of the Son of God. He was commissioned by the Father and given authority to do so. Um, I'll I'll say this. uh, If you look at the worst dictators in history, you know one thing they have in common? They have a hard time submitting to authority. Uh, You could look at uh, Lenin. You could look at Stalin. You could look at Hitler. As a matter of fact, uh, I I watched him not that long ago. They talked about Hitler as a kid. uh, And, uh, you know, he was great in sports. Uh, terrible at math, uh, 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 mediocre in French, went through a list of grades that, you know, things that he did in school. And one thing that they, that they pointed out was he does not like to listen to the teacher. 
Uh, anytime you have someone that is constantly pushing against authority, God-given authority, watch out. Because if that person ever gets power, they're going to be a dictator. Uh, and I'll tell you what, uh, I'll, the, the man that taught me the Bible used to jokingly say, as the pastor of this church, sometimes you have to be a little dictator to put all the other little dictators down. Uh, and, and it's a joke, and it's, it's, meant to, it's meant to say this, that when people don't align themselves with biblical authority, you've got a mess. And you need to understand Jesus Christ aligned himself biblically with the authority of the Father. Uh, look down, if you would, at verse 17. But Jesus answered them, my Father worketh hitherto, and I work. Uh, in other words, I'm in unity with the Father. I'm not just doing this on my own. Verse 18, therefore the Jews sought the more to kill. Thank you very much. Well, I tell you what, I am coffeeed up today. You guys better watch out, all right? Buckle up. Uh, uh, look at uh, verse number 18. Therefore the Jews sought the more to kill him. Can you guys pretend it's New Year's like every Sunday so I can get three cups of coffee every Sunday? That'd be great. Uh, and look what it says here. The Jews sought the more to kill him because he not only had broken the Sabbath, but said also that God was his Father, making himself equal with God. Now let me say this. If someone says Jesus Christ is guilty of saying he is God, guilty as charged. He is God. And he made himself equal with God. He never argues that. But look what he does say in verse 19. Then answered Jesus and said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, The Son can do nothing of himself but what he seeth the Father do. For what things soever he doeth, these also doeth the Son likewise. For the Father loveth the Son and showeth him all things that himself doeth. And he will show him greater works than these that ye may Marvel. Let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for God's blessing on the word this morning. Brother Eric, if you would do so for us. Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. Amen. All right. So let me let me get into this real quick. The word I think we've gone through some of this before, uh, but the Bible word for the word Trinity is not Trinity. Now we use that word commonly. Uh, kind of like we use the word rapture commonly to refer to the blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, anyone that says, well, the word rapture is not in the Bible, neither is the word paycheck, right? Neither is the word vacation, right? If you want to go down that road. Uh, but, but the word has a biblical meaning to it, and so you can tie it back. Now, I, I'm going to give you the Bible word. The Bible word for Trinity is the Godhead, all right? And there are three places, interestingly enough, uh, the Godhead is made up of three persons, and yet they are one God. They're not three different gods, all right? Uh, you need to understand that. The way that the, uh, for example, there's a couple groups that present it this way. The Jehovah's Witnesses are one of them. And, and what they say is this. If you believe in the Godhead as the Bible presents it, then what you believe in is you believe in three gods. And the answer is, no, I don't. I just believe what God said about himself. 
Uh, and uh, look, if you would, at First John chapter 5, let's look at this real clear, just to, to understand the framework of what Jesus Christ is talking about in the Gospel of John. Uh, he's, not, he, he's not showing up and making up stuff as he goes. He is consistently presenting truth that is found throughout the Scriptures. Now, what you need to get a hold of is this. The authority that he has, when he came to this earth, the Bible says he humbled himself and became obedient under the death of the cross. He took upon himself the form of a servant. How does the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, uh, the one, the I am, the one that always was and is and always will be, how does he become a man and submit himself to God the Father? That will blow your mind. And yet he does exactly that. You say, why? Because he's trying to show you the pattern. You are supposed to follow Jesus Christ. Amen? You are a Christian. The word Christian doesn't just mean saved. The word Christian means you are discipled. You are, you are disciplined in the way of the master in following Jesus Christ. Well, you know what he does? He submits himself to the Father during his earthly experience. As a matter of fact, there are things that he withdrew his knowledge from so that he could say, look, I don't even know this. Only the Father knows this. We now know he's no longer uh, in that human experience. He's in a glorified body at the right hand of God the Father, which we'll look at in a moment. And, and now he has all knowledge, and all knowledge lies with him. But when he was here during that human experience, he went through that. Why did he go through that? So that we couldn't say, you don't know what it's like. You don't know what it's like to have to submit. He says, yes, I do. I did it, and I did it flawlessly. Uh, look at uh, 1 John chapter 5. First John, let me just say this. Um, uh, Anti-authority stuff, there's a lot of that in the world today. It's not biblical. It's not biblical. Uh, now, are there people that abuse their authority? 1,000% yes. And in those abusive situations, uh, the Bible has a means of dealing with that. Uh, but in regards, now, ultimately, the ultimate authority is God himself. Uh, we ought to obey God rather than men. Now, if I went to Emma and I said, Emma, I want you to clean your room. And she goes, I ought to obey God rather than man, Daddy. <laughs> We'd have a problem, all right? You say, why? Because what I'm telling her to do is not against the authority of God himself. Uh, the, the rule of thumb is this. When an authority tells you to go against God, that's when you've got to make a decision to break away from human authority and submit yourself to God. Because all authority, biblically speaking, is given from God himself. Uh, look at First John. I'll give you an example, guys. We had. Uh, I know this is sensitive for some people, and I don't. I don't mean to, you know, prick you or anything. Uh, but we had the whole COVID thing a couple years back, and there's some people that said I can't go to church. We didn't judge them. At the same time, I'm looking at my congregation, going, "All right, uh, we've got to find a way to get back to church because people are spiritually dying. My job is to feed you spiritually, and I can't just do that through a screen." And so we came back to church, and you know what some people said? You're reckless and you're irresponsible. We had, we had one lady that, literally, this is a true story, uh, one sister in Christ came and was in her car when we were doing the, the remember this? We had the outside uh, uh, car, you know, drive-in church, I guess you call it. You know, we should have patented that, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> And, 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 and I'm preaching, and, and you can hear it in your car stereo, you know, and, and if anyone was boom, 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 when you're rolling up in a church, we knew exactly what you were listening to, all right? But, but during preaching, you're hearing me through the car stereo, and, and literally, a, a sister in Christ took a picture of that, posted it online, and said it was good to be in church. Some dingbat of a, of, of, of a friend, I guess, Facebook friend, whatever you want to call that, uh, said, I can't believe how reckless and irresponsible, dummy, we're not even in the building. We're in the car. You say, what is that? It's a different spirit. 
And listen, at a certain point, you know what? I had to figure out, okay, look, uh, we ought to obey God rather than men. And, and listen, I'm not going to tell you every area of that that you're going to find that. I, I can't be the Holy Spirit for you. I can't tell you where that line is for everybody. I'll tell you this much. Uh, at some point, you're going to have to decide, okay, God says this. I'm hearing this from this person. That doesn't line up with what God says. I love you. I respect you, but I'm going over here. <laughs> Uh, and, and let me just say this much. Jesus Christ never broke away from God's authority for family or for friends. Never. Uh, look at 1 John chapter 5. 1 John, smile, God loves you. Happy New Year. All right. 1 John chapter 5, look if you would at verse number 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are what? You say you believe that? Yes. Can you explain it? Not 100%. I, I remember years ago, you know, I was a teenager. I'm like, how do I explain the Trinity? All right, the football. You know, the outside's the shell. You know, that's like Jesus. And, and, you know, then there's the air, and that's like the Spirit of God. And then there's God the Father. You can't see him or feel him, but he's there. And I'm like, look, I'm sorry. Trying to explain the Trinity with a football, it just doesn't line up 100%. You can't do it justice. The creator of the universe ain't a football, right? I, I'm trying to give an illustration, but it doesn't do it justice. You know what the answer is? You walk by faith and not by sight. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, I can't explain it. Look, if you could explain it, then you'd be God. I'm glad I can't figure all that stuff out. Imagine trying to figure out someone that's always existed. Well, when did he start? He didn't start. <laughs> Poof. Right? Like everything in our life is linear. I have a birth date. I, I, I propose to someone on this date. I get married. Children have birthdays. Then I die. Right? Like, like God never, he's always been. He is the I am. <laughs> and what you're dealing with in Jesus Christ is the I am in human form. Look at, uh, uh, say here, look at verse number uh, 10 in 1 John chapter 5. Uh, verse 9, I'm sorry. Verse 9. And if we receive the witness of men, the witness of God is greater. You know what John's saying? We were there. We saw it. All right, that's our witness. But you know what the greater witness is? Jesus Christ himself. Because he is the witness of God to mankind. All right? Uh, look at what it says. For this is the witness of God which he hath testified of his son. God's witness to mankind is his son. And this is the argument that Jesus Christ is making in John chapter 5. Uh, look at verse 10 here. He that believeth on the Son of God hath the witness in himself. You know how you have that witness? You have that witness in you through the Holy Spirit. The Bible says in Romans 8 that the Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God. Does it not say that in Romans 8? So you know what you have uh, during the ministry of Jesus Christ? And it's going to be the same in your life. God the Father wants to reveal things to you. You know how he's going to do it? Through the person of, uh, to, uh, he's going to do it to Jesus Christ through the Holy Spirit. During Jesus Christ's ministry, Jesus is saying, look, if you're going to get anything from the Father, it's going to come to me, and I'll give it to you. How am I going to give it to you? Through the Spirit of God. And it's no different than in your life today. The Lord wants to show you things. How is he going to do it? Through the Spirit of God. Now, I know uh, a lot of times uh, uh, some of the brethren back away from talking about the Holy Spirit because, you know, that's what charismatics do. No, no, no. That's what Bible-believing Christians do. There's not enough conversation about the Holy Spirit. And you need to understand, you can't, listen, the, the witness that you have, the comfort that you have, um, the fact that you can meet someone and sometimes just go, man, it just seems like there's something different about you. I can't put my finger on it. And then you find out that they're saved. You say, what is that? The spirit bearing witness. You say, what is all that? How's all that work? Through the spirit of God. And so Jesus Christ is saying, look, I'm the witness of God to mankind. And, and the Lord is revealing that to me, and I'm revealing that to you through the spirit of God. Whether they listen or not is up to them. Uh, look at the rest of verse number 10. This is pretty strong language. He that believeth not God hath made him a what? Liar. 
If you want to believe the Trinity, go ahead. If you don't want to believe the Trinity, go ahead. You make God a liar. You don't want to believe that Jesus Christ is God? Make God a liar. Help yourself out. You get to answer to God. You don't answer to me for that. Um, uh, some people take exception. You believe that Jesus Christ is God? A hundred percent, yes, because the Bible says so. And when you start picking and choosing what you like and what you agree with out of the Bible, you don't have a Bible anymore. You got your own book. And, and I'm going to tell you right now, I'd rather just believe what God says. I don't understand completely. Listen, the, the, I, I said this before, maybe last week, the, 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 the hands that flung the stars into existence, the, the, the same breath that said, let there be light. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and without the Word was nothing made that was made. Jesus Christ was involved. Before He was Jesus, He was the Word of God. He was involved in creation. And think about this, that same breath, let there be light, also went, ah. isn't that weird? That's weird. <laughs> but I believe it. Because once you, quit, once you start you know, pulling it, you, you start deciding which pillars you're going to rest your Christian faith on, the house of cards just falls apart. You've got to believe God or not. And, and the truth is, Jesus Christ is God, and he's in perfect unity with God. Look at John chapter number 8. John, Gospel of John, John chapter number 8. John chapter 8. You know, it would be a great study to do. Uh, look at the ways that Jesus Christ was submitted to the Father. How about this? Mine hour has not yet come. You know a sign of someone that's submitted to the Spirit of God? They understand God's timing. They're not always trying to push for something. They're not always trying to manipulate something. They're not always trying to... Uh, you know, you want to be careful when... I'll, I'll say this to, to uh, our young men especially because they're out there on the streets regularly. Uh, and I appreciate that. But one thing I'll caution you guys is don't push for a false profession. Never just like, you, you ready to get saved? Let's pray right now. Like, don't do that because you don't want someone just going along with it even if, if they don't understand it. Uh, you say, what is that? Well, I got to make it happen. I got to make it happen now. No, look, you don't make anything happen when it comes to salvation. God does that. You're just the vessel that's there. And, and one of the things I learned about Jesus Christ, he submitted to God and the way he expresses that uh, is, is by walking in the spirit. Well, why do you see that? Well, he never pushes. He never drives an agenda. His agenda is the Father's agenda. His words are the Father's words. Uh, look at John chapter 8. Look, if you would, at verse number 29. John chapter 8, verse 29. Uh, and he that sent me, you say, who's, who is that? Well, go back to verse number 27. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then said Jesus unto them, when ye have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall ye know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself. In other words, I'm not just making this all up. What I do, that's a sign of submission. You say, what is that? Uh, if you're submitted to the Father through the Spirit of God, you know what you do? You don't just make decisions on your own. You make your decisions based on the Spirit of God. You don't make decisions emotionally. I've learned as a pastor one of the most dangerous things I could do. You realize a pastor can blow up a church real fast by making, emotions decision, uh, making decisions emotionally? By, by going, well, this person said this, and boom! And and Lord taught me something. I won't go into the exact story, but very early on in ministry that you need to learn just to shut up and listen sometimes and, and pray and ask God for wisdom because you don't always handle things the right way. Uh, submitting the Spirit of God means, okay, I'm not just going to do this on my own. I do nothing of myself, uh, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he that sent me, who's he that sent me? The Father. That's the argument he's making. He that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do always those things 
that please Him. Uh, you want the fullness of the presence of God? I know if you're saved, you never lose the Spirit. I understand that. But you want the fullness of, of the presence of the Spirit of God in your life? You want that? You know, you know what it, how it starts? Obedience. I just want God to show up. Okay, read your Bible. Well, that's boring. Do it again anyways. Uh, uh, I want God to show up in my life. Come to church. Yeah, but I went last week. Yeah, come again. You see, what is that? Just the discipline of submitting and obedience to the Spirit of God in your life. Um, you say, what is that? That shows you he was in sync with the Father. All right? Uh, look at uh, John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Now, understand this. Uh, when you get saved, all right, you are, uh, Paul speaks of you as being seated in heavenly places. So, Emma, where are you seated, where are you seated right now? In the chair? Okay. All right, you're always louder at home. I'm just kidding. Um, so, so she's in the chair, all right? But, but according to Paul, according to, really according to the Spirit of God, we are seated together with him in heavenly places. Not we shall be seated, we are. Because that means present tense. And let's be honest, some of the things you look at, listen to, talk about, get upset about, laugh about, it doesn't always feel like you're seated at the right hand of God. It doesn't always feel like you're seated in heavenly places with Christ. Am I right about that? But from God's perspective, you are. One of the things that Paul does, and you've got to get a hold of this. Uh, I know we've, we've mentioned this before, uh, but I think one of the biggest issues that Christians struggle with today, and you'll find this when you get into uh, uh, some, some modern-day Christians that mean well, they'll the write blogs and beautiful things about how like you don't have to do anything because it's already done. Now, when it comes to salvation, that's 100% true. When it comes to the Christian life, there's stuff for you to do. God's not going to open your eyelids in the morning and, and throw the phone out of your hand, like, you know, pew, shoot it out, and, and throw the Bible in your hand and make you read. That's not how that works, all right? You're going to have to submit yourself to the Spirit of God, all right? And, and, and when you do that, understand this. What God constantly does through Paul the Apostle, really through the Spirit of God, Paul's the vessel, uh, but what he constantly does, he constantly draws a correlation between your stand and your state, all right? You know what my stand is? I'm sinless in Christ. I'm seated, and I'll ask my wife if I'm sinless. She'll tell you real quick I'm not, all right? Uh, that's funny. You married people ought to laugh about that, all right? Uh, but my, my stand in Christ is I'm sinless. My stand, my position right now is I'm seated with him in heavenly places. Uh, my position right now is I'm justified, sanctified, cleansed. I, 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 I'm, listen, and someday to be glorified. Now, all of that is my stand. You say, what is it? That's where my soul is at right now. All right, that's eternal me. You know what my state is? That is, well, it could be good, it could be, get, it could be bad. My state might be I'm submitted to the Spirit of God today. It might just be my flesh is completely out of control. You say, what is this? This over here is eternal. This is temporary. All right, so you know what happens? Uh, you, you, you forget to draw that correlation, and you get to places where it says that uh, you are sanctified, you are justified. You go, well, I don't need to pray. I don't need to confess my sins because I'm already sanctified. Well, hold on a second. Uh, that's your soul. When it comes to your daily living that you live in this flesh, you better talk to your Heavenly Father about what's going on. Uh, you show always that that's your state. And, and those things are constantly. If you don't get this, uh, well, go back to listen to some of the study we did in Romans or just read your Bible in Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8. And if you read Romans 5 through 8, you'll, you'll get this thing that, that goes on between Here's where I was at before Christ. Uh, here's where I'm at. I'm dead. Uh, my, uh, my old man is dead, and yet my old man is alive and kicking, and I'm always fighting it. And here's where I end up in glory, Romans chapter number 8. And so Paul goes through all that. Why? To help us understand. 
So, so think of this, uh, at Jesus Christ, look at John chapter 1, and look at verse number 18. No differently than the fact that you're seated together with him in heavenly places, uh, notice what Jesus Christ says about himself and the Father. Again, we're talking about the unity that exists between God the Son and God the Father. Look at John 1.18. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, that's Jesus Christ, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. Now, understand this, that uh, when Jesus Christ was on this earth, uh, he was still in the bosom of the Father, and yet he was here. All right. Now, a couple things to get a hold of in John chapter 1. The author is writing this from the position of the fact that Jesus Christ is no longer there physically on the earth, but it still remains true that he was in the bosom of the Father. You see, what is that? Complete unity between God the Son and God the Father. All right. You say, what, is it? what does it mean to be in the bosom? He's in the heartbeat of God. Remember over there in, uh, in, uh, in John 13, actually, at the Last Supper, and it says that John leaned over. And where did he lean? He leaned on the bosom of Jesus. And he's the only disciple that gets supernatural revelation about who the son of perdition is. Nobody else gets it except for John. Where was John what was John's position on the bosom of Jesus Christ? Close to his heart. And you know what Jesus Christ is saying? You know what he's always, always going over and over when they bring to him this argument that, you know, uh, you're, you're committing blasphemy and you're making yourself equal with God. He's telling them, look, I'm in sync with the Father. I'm submitted to the Father. I'm only telling you what he's told me to tell you. It's almost like don't shoot the messenger because I'm just bringing you what you say. You say you're worshiping the Father. You're not worshiping the Father. If you worship the Father, you listen to me. And you find that argument over and over and over. Again, Jesus, uh, God the Father reveals things to the Son through the Spirit of God. Now, uh, look at uh, uh, John chapter number 10. John chapter 10, we'll move on from this thought. John chapter 10. All right, this is Sunday what? School, right? So you're learning, you're in school, and uh, you, you want to call it Bible study, that works as well. <laughs> Uh, they're like, Sunday Bible study, that works too. Uh, we're studying the Word of God, right? It works either way. Sunday school, Sunday Bible study, same thing. Look at John chapter 10, uh, look at verse number 29. John chapter 10, verse 29. My Father, which gave them me. Who's the them there? The sheep. Uh, and he says that no man can pluck them out of, out of his hand. My Father, which gave them me, is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are what? You see, what is that? That's unity. Now, let me just say this. You cannot have proper unity without understanding authority. Uh, I'll tell you right now, you know how you split up a church? Uh, don't have the Bible as a final authority. Make it a person, make it multiple Bibles, make it whatever you want, but don't make it the Bible itself. All right? When you have multiple authorities, uh, I'll give you a good way to ruin your home parents. Uh, Mom, you say thing dad's or dad says one thing mom says another and and and, and the kids play him oh man if you don't think i mean already olivia is like bah! and lacy goes no and she goes look at me <laughs> like will you have pity on my soul because she didn't you know uh and and so and by the way she's one she already understands no we're, I'm going to lie her down on, on her changing table. I just got to get this out for you young parents. Putting this out, Steon and Megan, good luck. <laughs> uh, putting the, 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 the number three, right? Putting her down. And right before I put her down, ah, she hates lying down. I don't know why. I, I'm sure someday when we get to heaven, you're going to ask God, you know, what was the eighth mystery? And I'm going to go, why did babies li hate lying down? That's what I'm going to ask. 
Like, what's so wrong? I want someone to go, here, Adrian, lie down. I wish someone would do that, right? And, and, and so I'm lying her down, and ah! and so you know what I start doing? I, right before I, before I even get there, I'm like, you're not going to cry. She looks at me like, and, and I can start, as I'm doing this, ah, I was like, no. And it's kind of this half smile, I might cry, like, what's going on? You know what she's understanding? Authority. Uh, I'll tell you what, kids that have no authority. You know what? I watched a video in Oakland, California on Christmas Eve of a bunch of young people trashing cars on the freeway. He said, what's the problem? He said, well, it's not, about, it's not a black problem or a Hispanic problem or an Asian problem or what. It's a fatherless problem. There's no authority. And when you don't have an authority, you've got a mess on your hands. That's where America's at. There's no authority. Uh, there's no gender. You just whatever, whatever you want. They, them, be a cat, whatever. There's no authority. I'm serious. You guys have to think, why is this such a big deal? Why is it blown up in the last five years? We existed for thousands of years without this. And, and they're going, oh, the kids are going to get depressed if we don't affirm them. I'll affirm you in exactly what God said you are. You know why, you know why the anxiety and depression is going up? Because there are no rules and there's no structure in any area of their life and they are desperately crying out. And the adults that should be the adults in the room to help them, guide them, you know what they're doing? They are affirming them in the wrong direction. I'm telling you guys, authority's a big deal. And we can see it in society. How about in the church? How about in the home? How about at work? Some of you would amen everything I just said and you got a boss that you think is a jerk so you're like, that guy's an idiot. And maybe he is, or maybe she is. Question, do you pray for him? Do you have a good attitude, even though they're an idiot? You say, how can I help you? You say, well, they're an No, 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 you don't get to pick and choose. Unless they're telling you to go against God's authority, you are to do what they ask you to do. And now, see, that's, that's, where, the, that's where the rubber meets the road with maturity as a Christian. Because now it's, see, see, up to that point, it's like, well, I thought I was the authority. No, 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 God put that person in your life why would God do that? I don't know. Maybe to rub some of the edges off of you. Maybe to teach you to be disciplined when you don't want to be. Maybe to just teach you that not everyone in your life is going to tell you what you want all the time. I don't know. But I know this much, they're there for a reason. Uh, I had a boss. I've had a couple bosses that I thought to myself, you know, they're not the tarpest, sharpest tool in the shed, but, uh, but God put them in my life. And it wasn't my job to bug them. You say, Why? Uh, because you cannot have unity without authority. You know why this worked? Because when he came to this earth, he submitted himself, took upon himself the form of a servant, and he submitted himself to the Father's will. Not my will, but thine be done. Amen. You want unity in the home? Understand the principle of authority. You want unity in the church? Understand the principle of authority. You want unity at work? It doesn't matter wherever you go. Do you know why the world's just literally just exploding right now? There's no authority. Uh, and, and listen, I'll, I'll be the first to tell you, um, I can give you my opinions and my thoughts on the current president or the last one or whatever else, uh, but the truth is this, until which time they go against the authority of God's word, I'm supposed to go, okay. I'm sorry, guys. I don't, I don't, always, I, I don't always write a check to the IRS and go, praise the Lord right? Like, who does that, right? Uh, but but I'll just say this much, as far as your attitude towards authority go, what's it like? See, what you have to understand is this. God could have put a different boss in your life. He didn't. God could have given you a different parent, right? 
She's like, yeah. <laughs> sure could have. Lord, where was that at a couple years ago? Um, God could, could put all kinds of different things in your life, but he didn't. And, and, and again, I want to caveat this because I, I, I understand there are people that abuse this and abuse it wrongfully. And when they do that, they no longer represent God because God doesn't abuse his authority. Uh, matter of fact, you know what God does? He doesn't violate your will to prove his authority. How about that? Uh, you young men that are going to lead a home someday, understand this. Your authority does not mean that your wife has no will. That, that's a hard pill to swallow for some guys. You say, what is it? Ego trip. And I'm going to tell you right now, um, there, there comes a point. Listen, the guy that taught me the Bible would always say this. At some point, it ain't 50-50. It's 51-49. Someone's got to make a call. Now, let me tell you right now. Uh, if my wife is like, I really want to get this curriculum for the kids, my only question is, how much does it cost? <laughs> I'm not going to be like, we didn't pray about this, and I want to know what the curriculum is, and I got to, dude, what, what in the world? I'm not teaching them. She is. I have delegated that authority to her. I don't need her to be like, you know, here's the receipt for this. Good grief. Some guys need to like take it down a notch. You know, and I understand we live in a day and age and where, where the majority of society has gone the other direction, where men don't lead at all, and they sit back and they let wife do everything. I, I'm not, I, there's a balance to all of this, all right? But understand that the biblical, the general uh, of thumb is this. When you don't have authority, you cannot have unity. And the son is submitted to the father. And because he submitted to the father, the relationship works, all right? He says, I and my father are one. All right, let me say this. Uh, look, if you would, at uh, Luke chapter number 2. We're going to Luke chapter 2 this morning in uh, the morning service as well. Luke chapter 2. I want to talk to you about the revelation of the Father. And obviously the Father reveals things to the Son in a certain time during the Son's life. Now, you have to ask yourself this, and we're going to get into it in the morning message. Uh, you've got, in Luke chapter 2, you've got detail in, in, the, in the Gospel of Luke that you don't have in the other Gospels about the early life of Jesus. Now, uh, Matthew talks about the wise man coming when he's a young child. Uh, but Luke chapter 2 goes into him being a baby, uh, you know, born in a manger and all that detail. And, and then you read about him being eight days old and going to church. And then it fast forwards to 12 years old. Now, what, what goes on between eight days old and 12 years old? We've got to find some hidden scriptures. No, don't, God just didn't put it down for you. You know what he wants you to know? He was sinless. He obeyed his parents. He grew in favor with in stature and wisdom and stature in the sight of God and man. And in Luke chapter 2, it mentions that. Uh, but but I'll, I'll say this. Why is it mentioned 8 days old, 12, days, uh, 12 years old? Well, there's something significant about those, both of those events. They both happen to take place at church. That's one thing. Uh, the other thing, I use that term church loosely. Bear with me. I understand it's Old Testament, but you know what I mean. They're at the temple to do something for God. Um, look at Luke chapter 2. Look at verse number uh, 48. Luke chapter 2, verse 48. Uh, verse 47, I'm sorry. This is about the, the doctors uh, hearing Jesus and asking him questions. And all that heard him were astonished at his understanding and answers. Now, here's a kid that grew up in the home of a carpenter. He's not in the home of a rabbi. And by any accounts that we can read about, uh, I mean, Jesus he went to church. Went to, went to synagogue, went to temple. Uh, he was there every Saturday with all the Jewish boys. You ever think about that? Why in the world would you go to Sunday school if you're the word of God? He went. 
Why? Submitted to the Father. Um, think about this, though. When does Jesus Christ re- understand who he is? And I think the argument could be made uh, in uh, verse number uh, 48. Uh, look what it says here. And when they saw him, they were amazed. And his mother said to him, Son, why hast thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, How is it that ye sought me? Wist ye not? Now think about this. When he was a baby, he could not have acknowledged that God was the father. Couldn't even speak, right? It, it took time for him to develop in the human experience. And here's a 12-year-old uh, young man. Something happens here. And there's, there's a moment that God records for us, and he puts in the gospel of Luke for a reason. And you don't find any other gospels. I think it's there for a, a significant reason. It's when he realizes who he is. And notice right away in verse 49 that he connects himself with whose business? The Father's business. So, so, so think of it this way. The father revealed that to his son, and the son immediately reveals it to Joseph and Mary. Wishing them, and they didn't understand it. Uh, there's a number of times, I love it when Jesus Christ would say something, and then he asked the disciples, understand you these things? And they're like, oh yeah, they had no idea. No idea. And the reason you know this is later on, they're like, well, what is going on? He's like, I told you this like three or four times right? Uh, so, so what I'm getting at is this, the father reveals things to the son that he does not reveal to everybody else right away. Uh, look at uh, Matthew chapter 11, look at Matthew 11, and it is the son that reveals the father to mankind. Look at Matthew chapter number 11. The position that Jesus Christ uh, is given, he's, he's talked about as the firstborn, the, the uh, only begotten, if you will, uh, it's a position of power and authority, but it's delegated authority on this earth. Uh, when he, after he, uh, uh, Ma- you know what, I'll get to that in a little bit. Look at Matthew 11. Look at Matthew 11. Uh, look at Matthew 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because thou hast hid these things from the wise and the prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Those are his disciples. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight, all things are delivered unto who? of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father, neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So these guys talking about worshiping God the Father, and they reject Jesus Christ, you don't know God the Father. Because if you knew God the Father, you would, you would accept the Son. You say, who is the Son? He's the revelation of God the Father to you, to mankind. Uh, so, so let me just say this right now. There's a number of groups out there that don't believe Jesus Christ is God. Uh, the Muslims are one of them. I'm not picking on them. Our neighbors from across the street. Uh, the truth is they don't believe that Jesus Christ is God. They believe he's a prophet. Uh, and yet, in their own, one of the surahs in the Quran says that they are to read the Gospels and accept them. All right? Uh, Muhammad, as messed up as he was, had enough sense to know historically people are going to look at this and know the Bible came before I did. And so he says, you better, well, if you read the Gospels and believe them, it tells you he's God. (laughs) So what are you going to do about that? I'll tell you what you do about that. You put one authority over the other. See, that's the game that's always played. That's why I'm telling you, the the issue in in the last days is who or what is the final authority. Uh, Brother Elvin came to me before church, and he showed me a picture. Was that, Brother Elvin, where are you at? Was that Barnes & Noble? He went to Barnes & Noble and could not find a King James Bible, and he took a picture of the whole thing. 
And he's showing me this Bible and that Bible. He goes, and, he goes I, and then I went to the Barnes & Noble person, the lady, and said, I need a King James Bible. I said, what'd she say? She had no idea, <laughs> you know. Uh, I mean, going to Barnes & Noble looking for a Bible, they're not going to be able to help you a whole lot. But the idea is, as I said, brother, the reason why it's harder and harder to find the real authorities because this, if you get rid of the real authority, you can replace it. Yeah. You have to understand the Bible says the spirit of Antichrist is already at work today. How are you going to convince an entire world of 8 billion people globally to follow one man? I'll tell you how you do that. You get rid of every other authority that, that, that goes against him. And the authority that goes against the Antichrist is this book right here. All right? So the idea is this. If you want to know God the Father, you have to come through Jesus Christ. Look at Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. Aren't you thankful that you know him? You know, Paul says that I may know him <laughs> and the power of his resurrection. There's a lot of things that Paul knew. A lot of mysteries that Paul had that he presented to the church. Think about all the things that God revealed uh, to Paul through Jesus Christ and, and the Spirit of God. And of all the things that Paul knew, when he wrote the Philippians, you know what he says? I want to know him. Amen. I want to know him. That ought to be your desire in 2024, by the way. I want to know him. You want to lose 10 pounds? Fine. Knock your socks off. Enjoy losing 10 pounds. All right? Do whatever you want. But in all the things you're going to do, make sure you want to know him. <laughs> All right, look at uh, Mark 16, look at verse number 19. Uh, if you want to lose some weight, uh, just drink kale juice. See Jennifer and Florence after church, they'll help you out. All right, uh, Mark chapter 16, look at verse 19. So then after the Lord had spoken unto them, he was received up into heaven and sat on the what? Right hand of God. Right hand of God. Now I want you to go back to uh, uh, Genesis. Go to Genesis real quickly. I want to show you something in Genesis that's really interesting. I uh, finished my Bible a, little, a couple weeks ago. I'm in Exodus now. And I, I went through Genesis, and I, I noticed this, and I thought this would be pretty interesting to mention. Um, God decides who's on the right hand. We don't decide who the authority is. God does. Um, and the reason that's important is, look at Genesis 48. And there's a great picture of this. As Jacob is the patriarch, he's the father, and he's putting the blessing on his sons and his grandsons, Joseph's uh, sons that are reunited with him once again. Genesis 48, look if you would at verse number uh, 13. Genesis 48, verse 13. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand, toward Israel's left hand, that's Jacob, Israel there, and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand, and brought them near to him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it upon who? Well, according to, to, to everyone else in the room, that's not the right guy. The right hand should have gone on Manasseh. Why? He's born first. So Manasseh should be getting the blessing. The firstborn blessing. You know what, though? Israel. Now, watch what happens. Look at uh, verse number 14. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid upon Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand upon Manasseh's head, guiding his hands wittingly. In other words, he knew what he was doing. It wasn't an, uh, like, oh, I don't, old man, oh, I don't know what I'm doing, you know, like, can't walk, can't get up, you know, all that stuff. He, it wasn't that. Uh, look, if you would, at verse uh, uh, 14, the end, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, uh, God, before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac did walk, the God which fed me all my uh, life long this day, the angel which redeemed me from all evil, bless the lads, and let my name be named on them, and let the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac, and let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And when Joseph saw that his father had laid his right hand upon the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. Why? He's almost like, ah, I don't want to embarrass you, pops, but I know you're old and you're probably blind and half senile, uh, so let me help you out. 
right? That's kind of what happens. It displeased him. He held up his father's hand to remove it from Ephraim's head under Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not so, my father, for this is the firstborn. Put thy right hand upon his head. And his father refused and said, I know it, my son. I'm not dumb. I'm not blind. I'm not too old to figure out what's going on. And God is not too old to figure out what's going on. He's the ancient of days, and he's still with us. Amen? And, and what you see here is this. Uh, somebody asked me about this the other day. I can't remember who it was. Uh, someone in church. And, and was it you? You? All right. It was, uh, all right, Miss Lori. So, so basically what you got is you've got, by the way, the word Godhead shows up ironically three times in your Bible. One for every person in the Trinity, just so you know if you're taking notes. Uh, but basically what you have is you've got, Remember in Romans chapter 5? Who came first, Adam or Christ? Well, guess what? He's no good. If you're an Adam, you die. Guess what? God put his hand right here. He tried putting his hand on this one, and he didn't take it well. So he goes, let me remove that. Let me put it over here. You see, what is that? Well, you see that all throughout the Bible. You'll see sometimes that the order... Uh, doesn't get the blessing, even though generally speaking, that's how it's supposed to go. It's a picture of this. In, in the Bible says in First Corinthians chapter 15, in Adam all die, in Christ shall all be made alive. So God the Father put his hand on his son. You know what we call that? We call that the anointing. Um, we, we, uh, we've got, uh, when we had our deacons, Brother Sean and Brother James, come uh, before the church and become deacons, we laid our hands on them. You say, what is that? That's kind of like a a way of saying, you know what? Well, the blessing's on you, and the church is behind you, and the elders here believe that this is God's movement, this is God's hand at work, and so we put our hands on you. That's why the Bible says, lay hands suddenly on no man. In other words, you shouldn't just flippantly do that. You should watch someone's character. Well, let me just tell you right now, there's no greater character in the universe than Jesus Christ. And God the Father had his hand on him. That's By the way, that's what Christ means. It means anointed. All right, the Jewish form of that is Messiah or Messiah. All right, but the idea is this. Uh, look at uh, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter number one. Hebrews chapter one. Hebrews chapter one, look if you would at verse number three. The, the idea is this. After Jesus Christ fulfilled his obligation, his responsibility, um, the Bible says, who for the joy that was set before him, you would even say his passion. That's what it says in Acts. Uh, he fulfilled that passion and submitted to God the Father on this earth. Do you know what he did? He resumed his position of power at the right hand of God the Father. Uh, now, you, would, uh, you can make the argument that, that as far as uh, uh, not knowing the things that the Father knew, that's gone. He is, he is now in the position of knowledge. All right? Uh, look at uh, Hebrews chapter 1. Hebrews chapter 1. And look, if you would, at verse number 3. Hebrews chapter 1. Verse number three, who being the brightness of his glory in the express image of his person. How about Jesus being the express image of God? All right, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, what did he do? He sat down on the right hand of God. Look at uh, verse 13 in the same chapter. Look at where he's at. He's on the right hand. All right, uh, look at uh, Hebrews chapter number eight. Hebrews chapter number eight. Hebrews chapter number 8. Hebrews 8, look if you would at verse number 1. Hebrews 8, verse 1. 
Now the things which we have spoken, this is the sum, we have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens. You know why Jesus Christ can intercede for you? Because he's on the right hand. Uh, Look at uh, chapter 10. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. You're going to see this over and over and over. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, look if you would at verse number 11. And every priest standeth daily ministering and offering oftentimes the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. Talking about the Old Testament priesthood. All right. Uh, Now look what it says in verse 12. But this man, I'm thankful for this man. (laughs) But this man, uh, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins, for how long? Forever sat down on the right hand of God. You say, what is it? It's a reminder of a position of authority and a power. But here's my question. How does he gain that throne? You know how he gains that throne? He gains that throne by first submitting himself to the authority as a man to God. Think about this. When he cries out on the cross, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That's not even the son talking to the father. That's a man crying out to God. And that's showing you his humanity. So he lives the human experience. And what does he do? He submits. You want to be, you want God to exalt you in due time? Submit yourself. Humble yourself. You want God to, to say, Lord, to move you up to higher stations in life? You want God to put you in a position where you can help other people? You can't do that before you first sit down, be quiet, and say, yes, sir, yes, ma'am. It doesn't work. I'm telling you right now, Jesus Christ is the perfect example. You want, I'll put it this way. You want God's blessing? You want God's anointing on you? You know how you do it? Submit. You know what submit is? It's the other S word in the Christian life. It's the word that people don't like. If I say, wives, submit yourselves, right away, you know, it kind of gets weird, and you got to go through this disclaimer, you don't be a, you know, you're not supposed to be a doormat, and he should love you and honor you, and, and all that's true, but you got to do that because everyone's kind of like this, you know, uh, and, and because, you know, feminism and all that stuff, uh, and by the way, ladies, you should not want to be equal with men. We're idiots. Amen. And you can, you can, you can bring life into this world. And you can do things that we can't do. Why would you want to be a man? I love these things where like, you know, it's just things are just not equitable yet. We don't have enough women CEOs. Do we have enough women ditch diggers yet? Enough women concrete workers? Enough women sewage cleaner outers yet? Do you want to go down that road? That's stupid. You don't want that. You shouldn't want that. You know what? This, this world has lost its ever-loving mind. You know how it all started? We'll be our own authority. Look at Psalm chapter 2 and we'll close here. Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2. How many times my wife has said, did you not remember? And I go, oh. <laughs> like, we're not the same. <laughs> and uh, let me tell you something. There's, there's kind of a trend going on these days where I think some, some, some young people are waking up to the fact that, you know, maybe I do want a man that pays for my meal. All this equal stuff isn't working out like I thought it would. Maybe I do want a man that will protect me. Maybe if, you know, something gets hairy downtown and we're walking to some, through some bougie neighborhood and some guys pull up and they, they try to take my purse, maybe I do want a guy that doesn't run like a little girl. Amen. We're not the same. We're meant, the, man, the man's supposed to look out for you ladies. Oh, you're a chauvinist. Call me whatever you want. I don't care. It ain't working out there the way you think it is. I, I, take, it, I take the Bible over what everyone's saying these days anyways. Look at Psalm, this was not in the notes, it was free. Psalm chapter 2, 
Psalm chapter 2, look at Psalm 2 and look at verse 1. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings, you say, what are the authorities? The kings of the earth set themselves, United Nations. And, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his what? Anointed. His anointed. Saying what? We don't want this guy over us. Who does he think he is? That's what they're saying. Who has God to tell us our gender? Who is God to tell us? Uh, he's God. That's who he is. Who's God to tell us there's a distinction between men and women? Who's God to tell us that a parent should be the authority in the home? Who's God to tell us all these things? I'll tell you who he is. He's the, he's the Lord of heaven and earth. Uh, look at verse number four. Uh, by the way, I've got to get this off my chest, and we'll, we'll close just real quick. I, I read a, a number of, of uh, modern-day pastors having been quoted recently saying these words. Times are changing so quickly we have to learn to adjust, and things are moving so quickly. We have to learn how to use the right language. You know what they're talking about? All the garbage with this gender stuff. I don't care how times change. And, and listen, if you come to church and, and you're expecting that here, I'm trying to be as nice as I can say it, you're not going to get that stuff here. Um, because it's, the Bible is right. And, and I've got news for you. People's lives are more a mess today, and mental health is more a problem today, and all the issues are more uh, relevant today than they were 50, 60 years ago. Do you think for a moment that if we had another great uh, depression and there was no food, do you think our country would make it like we did back in the 20s? You don't have the character anymore. You don't have men that are shown how to live off the land because they don't have fathers around. You don't have, I mean, the, imagine the, the thought of like, oh, he's got a gun. He's going to hunt. Yeah. Would you want him to go out there and like talk to the bear? If we could just come to an agreement on this and you'd lie down and I could kill you, then we'd be okay. And that's not how that works. Uh, we live in a different generation though. And I'll tell you where it all goes back to. Look at, look at verse number uh, three. Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in heaven shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak to them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I, now watch, look at verse 6. You guys can do whatever you want. Doesn't matter to God. He's like, that's fine, do whatever you want. I'm still putting my king on my hill. Amen. He is king of the hill. Who is that? Jesus Christ. In other words, if man wants to ignore God's authority, he's welcome to do it because God has given man free will. But it doesn't mean that God is not going to show up and set the record straight. And Christian, I, I think what I'm trying to get at is simply this. Uh, I think the best life is one that is submitted to God. You know what that means? I'm not first, he is. His will, not mine. Let's stop there. Father, we thank you so much for the opportunity to dig in your word.